So this morning, we are going to continue our uh, our series on missional living. And we're going to look at 2 Corinthians 4 this week and 2 Corinthians 5 next week, Lord willing. And we're going to look at the Apostle Paul and some of the things that he found to be an encouragement in his ministry. Because he had all kinds of obstacles and adversities that he had to face and press through that could that could make many people just give up when it comes to living on mission for God. And many people have quit the mission. Many Christians have settled for just a comfortable life. The, the path of least resistance. And yet that's not the way of Christ. That's not the way of taking up our cross and following him, living on mission for him. And so we're going to look at some encouragement that the Apostle Paul got. Uh, and he shared that with the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 4. We're going to look at some of his perspective that gave him encouragement to continue faithfulness in the mission. We're going to look at the Apostle Paul's perseverance in the mission, and we're going to look at the Apostle Paul's practices while he was on mission. Uh, I want to begin just asking you, when was the last time you had felt discouragement concerning outreach and concerning winning a family member or a friend or a co-worker or somebody to the Lord? Somebody that you've prayed for, somebody that you've witnessed to, you've shared the gospel with, you've, you've reached out to them, you've done everything you've known to do. You shared a gospel track, you, you brought cookies to their house, you invited them over for dinner, you, you invited them to church, you sent them email links, you sent, you took them through the bracelet, you, just everything, you, you've done everything you could do, you fasted and you prayed, and there was no response on their behalf to the gospel. We read about the Apostle Paul in the scriptures and we sometimes we, we get this impression that everybody he witnessed to came to Jesus. But that wasn't the case. While we do see, we see a great impact in the letters that we do have, the Apostle Paul writing to the churches are because people did respond and there was a church that, that start, that got planted started and lasted. And so Paul wrote these letters to them. But there were other places that Paul visited and preached the gospel to that we don't have letters to because they didn't respond to the gospel as favorably as the Corinthians did or the Ephesians or Philippians or so on. Paul had, uh, he had trials, he had adversity. And so I want to give some, some truths that he, some perspective that he lays out for us in second Corinthians that I think we might find helpful this season as a church and then that we also might find helpful as we seek to reach certain individuals in our sphere of influence that don't know the Lord yet. Amen. So I'm going to pray and we'll open up to 2 Corinthians 4. Father, as we open up these scriptures, God, would you give us, God of hope, give us hope and encouragement and strength and motivation and just passion for the mission that you've called us to. We thank you that our labor is not in vain in Christ. That there is a hereafter, that there are rewards, and that you see every bit of our labor of love and work of faith. And I pray that today you would strengthen anybody who's weary, anybody who's discouraged, and that you would renew us and revive us and encourage us in the mission that you have for us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Second Corinthians chapter four, 
starting in verse 1. And we're going to go through the whole chapter here. And then I'm going to come back and, and highlight some things. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced the disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or tamper with God's word. But by open statement of the truth, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In this case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord and with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe and so we, we also speak. Knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us up with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake so that grace, as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. For we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Amen. So here's the big idea this morning. This is where we're going uh, from the text is that Paul found encouragement to be faithful in ministry through his eternal perspective, his eternal and spiritual perspective. And the first first thing I want to point out is in verse one. Uh, he mentions that, therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. He mentions this twice, not losing heart twice in this in this chapter. In verse 16, he also mentions not losing heart. He also mentions in chapter 5, he says, so we are always of good courage. And so one of the things we see him doing here is highlighting those things that help him not lose heart as he lived on mission for the Lord Jesus, as he sought to bring the gospel to unreached people around him. Uh, so as I've said before, when you see a therefore in the scripture, what do you do? You go back and you see what it's there for. 
So this is, this hinges, this therefore hinges on chapter three of what he explained in chapter three, how he, he was made a minister of the new covenant, not the old covenant. And, and, and Paul compares his ministry with the ministry of Moses. And he says that this new, new Testament ministry is much more glorious. Because we all with unveiled faces behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. We're being transformed from glory to glory by the Spirit of the Lord. And so Paul goes back to that, highlighting that. And he says, God, by his mercy, has given him this ministry. He says this in another place in 1 Timothy chapter 1, that, that God was merciful to him. And God gave him this ministry and trusted the gospel message and the ministry of preaching the gospel to other people. Now, I want to just say this before I go any further, because I don't want anybody to check out on me when I'm talking about ministry here. Because ministry is not just something for pastors. Okay. And ministry is not just something for missionaries or chaplains or people on, on, up on the stage on a church staff. Ministry is for every single Christian. And we are going over these next several weeks, we're going to be unpacking that idea. That's one of the big ideas that we want to unpack in this upcoming series on connecting our work and faith. Because every Christian has been called by God to be a minister, to be a servant, to be somebody who makes disciples, to be somebody who shares the word of God, who reflects the love of Christ, who prays for others, who loves others, who represents Jesus to a lost and dying world. And so as Paul had this ministry of preaching the gospel, we too have a ministry to preach the gospel, to let our light shine, to make disciples, to be ambassadors for Christ. Now, I would certainly qualify this and say we don't have the same apostolic authority that Paul walked in and we're not writing scripture like he did. Paul says in Ephesians 4 that God has given leaders in the church to do what? To equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So every saint is called to do the work of the ministry, to be in ministry, to, to, to serve people and reach people for the gospel's sake. And one of the things I think that encouraged Paul when he experienced opposition and when people were not favorable to the message and not open to the message, when people beat him up, threw him in jail and told him to get out of their city because they don't want to hear about Jesus. One of the things that helped Paul stay faithful was the reality that he had been entrusted and commissioned by God with this ministry. It wasn't just his idea. Hey, I think I'm going to go plant some churches because I want to be well known throughout the Gentile nations. Paul could have did a lot more comfortable things in his life and, and had some better business ideas and things that he could have pursued that would have been more cushy and comfortable for him. But he had been called and commissioned by God and entrusted with the gospel message and sent out. And you too, Christian, are called to minister and called to be sent out. And I think when we feel discouraged when it comes to this area of evangelism and discipleship and reaching people and making an impact in the world around us, we need to go back to the reality that God has called us to do that, that that is wired within our DNA. You are the light of the world, Jesus said. Go let your light shine. You're the salt of the earth. Don't lose your saltiness, right? 
And so we're all called to ministry. And, and the Apostle Paul found encouragement in that. And it was by the mercies of God. In, in Acts 26, Paul recounts his, his uh, conversion experience in Acts 26. And this is one of the things that Jesus said to Paul. He said, I am sending you to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive the forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified in me. This is interesting. God, Jesus is saying to Paul, I'm sending you to open their eyes. Yet, God, it's ultimately God who opens people's eyes, right? And, and yet Paul had this responsibility, he had this commission, he was entrusted, he was called in verse 3, Paul, Paul gives us some explanation why, why people didn't respond favorably to the gospel message. I mean, have you ever thought about this? Jesus himself, his ministry was perfect. He was perfect. And everything he did was perfect. There was no flaw in his character, in his words, in, his, in the way he approached life and ministry. And you know what? People rejected Jesus and his message. They actually killed him, <laughs> Right? And the same with Paul. Paul Paul was rejected and the gospel was rejected. And it's not always because we're doing something wrong that we get rejected. We may be walking up right before God, graciously, humbly, faithfully communicating the message, lovingly communicating the message, and yet it's rejected. And Paul gives us one reason why people don't receive the gospel, why people don't believe the gospel. I mean, have you, have you ever thought about this? Like, why, why doesn't, you know, this relative that you've been praying for and you've shared the message and you've made it clear and, and, and you think they understand it. They heard it clearly and you think they understand it, but they don't see beauty and they don't see glory and they don't respond. They don't value Jesus because their eyes are blinded. Paul tells us in this passage in, in verse three and four, that the God, he said, even if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing. In this case, the God of this world, referring to Satan, it's a lowercase g for God. The God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So there was a spiritual battle involved. It's not, it's not merely, uh, just that we get the message out. There's, there's, we need to get the message out, but there's also a hindrance that holds people back from receiving and responding and experiencing the benefits of salvation. And that's Satan. Satan is the blinder of people's eyes. He, he blinds them from seeing the, the, the light of the gospel, the seeing the beauty of the gospel. There's nothing wrong with the gospel itself. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation to those who believe. You see, the seed's powerful. It's not that the seed's bunk, the seed of the gospel, right? It's not, it's not always that the sower, he didn't throw it skillfully enough into the ground. And, you know, uh, it, it, it's, it's the soil. It's the hearts of people. Another reason why Jesus said people don't come to him and, and believe is in John 3 is because their deeds are evil and they love the darkness. In other words, they love their sin. 
So, so one, one aspect of why people don't come to faith is because Satan blinds them and, and holds them in strongholds over, over their life. Another reason is they just love their sin and they love the darkness and they don't want to give that up. They don't want to repent because they think their sin is better than Jesus. They think having autonomy over their lives, being able to call the shots and the captain of their, their destiny, so they, so, so they think is, is better than letting Jesus be Lord of their lives. Another reason I, I think we see in, in the scriptures is Jesus addressed it with the, with the religious leaders of his day is that there are very uh, hypocritical people who name the name of Jesus that are actually stumbling blocks and that, that hinder people from entering the kingdom of God in, in some way. Their, their, their words and their, their, their lifestyle don't help people come to Jesus. They repel people away from Jesus. Okay. Now, if you're walking in love and you're gracious and you're humble and you're not judgmental and you're you're doing your best to follow Jesus and walk with Jesus and you humbly, graciously present the gospel to somebody, it may not be because of you. It may be because Satan has blinded their minds and they just love their sin. So I think it's 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 definitely more the, the answer to that question. Why doesn't this person, this lost person come to Jesus is probably more complex than we realize, but those are a few of the complexities to consider, a few of the spiritual dynamics going on to consider. And another one that we should consider in this is that God is sovereign in salvation. So Paul Paul highlights a problem in people not coming to faith in verses four, 3 and 4, but then he, he gives us the remedy. He gives the solution. He says this. He says, for we, for what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord and with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That's powerful. So Paul's alluding back to what here? When he says, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness. All the way back to creation, Genesis, in the beginning. So he's likening lost people to be kind of like the, the creation and, and, and the beginning of creation when there was, when there was no life. And then God spoke. God spoke with his powerful word and made light and life flourish on the earth. Paul's making that connection here. God is the author of salvation. God is sovereign in salvation. As I said last week, looking at Lazarus's life, Jesus called Lazarus out of the grave. He said, Lazarus, come forth. And he came forth. He was dead. Lazarus couldn't, Lazarus couldn't raise himself from the dead. He was dead. But one word from Jesus could raise Lazarus from the dead. And one word from the Almighty God and His Son, Jesus Christ, through the gospel message that you and I proclaim, can bring the spiritually dead to life. And it's not us. It's not our words. It's the words of Christ. It's the, the, the words, His words that are being communicated through our lips. And God speaks through us. We're, as Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, we are His ambassadors. And so Paul says, we don't preach ourselves. We don't give people hope by pointing to ourselves. We give people hope by pointing people to Jesus. Our testimonies should be geared towards how, what Jesus has done, not 
I pulled myself up by my bootstraps. Do what I did. Right? Our testimony should be geared towards Jesus delivered me. Jesus set me free. Jesus is a savior. Not me. Not myself. And, and Paul sees himself as a servant. And, and, and so in this, in this verse, God, he's saying God speaks like, like God said, let there be light and, and light shone out of darkness. He's shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. This is what lost people need. They need God to speak and to cut through the power of darkness in their life. That's one of the reasons why Jesus taught us to pray, lead us not into temptation, but what? Deliver us from evil. Because God is the only one who can deliver us from the grip of Satan and the kingdom of darkness and transfer us into the kingdom of his beloved son. We need God to do that in saving people. That's why we pray. That's why we keep praying. That's why we don't lose heart in praying. Because there's this spiritual battle going on and God can sovereignly take out whatever those hindrances are at any moment and save somebody. So God's sovereign in in salvation, yet we have a responsibility. God has chosen to work through us. So verse 2, I just want to look at Paul's practice here. And in, in light of being discouraged and, and losing heart and him, him saying we don't lose heart and this is why we don't lose heart. But in light of difficult circumstances and, and people not responding to the gospel and, and God entrusting this ministry to Paul, he says we've renounced disgraceful, under, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or tamper God's word. But by open statement of truth, we we. We would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. When people don't respond favorably to the gospel, there's a temptation to water the message down to try to help them receive it. Just make it a little bit easier for them. You don't really have to give up your sin. Just just say this prayer. You don't you don't have to stop living with your boyfriend or girlfriend or or, or, or quit using those drugs or, or, and, and so, so folks tend to take out the element of repentance. Let, let's water it down a little bit and, and, and soften the message. And, and, and one of the things that happens when we do that is we may get people to come to our church and we may get people to say a prayer, but we also may create a false convert, somebody who never truly repents and truly puts their faith in Jesus. I would rather have a small church with with genuine people who are born again Christians than have a big church that's with with a large majority of them not even Christians and just coming to church and for the perks. We're not in it for the perks, right? Yet we would love to have this place filled. But Pastor Mike and I will not compromise by God's grace like we, we will with like Paul stand on biblical truth and not water down the message just so that we can get people in the door. We don't want to do that. We're, we're, we're here to make disciples. We're here to, to honor Jesus and how we do that and and trust that ultimately he's sovereign in salvation. And we pray like he's sovereign in salvation. And we proclaim the gospel like he's sovereign in salvation. We-